0: Welcome to the Carous Link podcast. I'm John and I'm your host and joining me as ever is Katie. How are you doing, Katie?
1: I'm very well, thank you, John. I'm, I'm glad I'm well, but I have to say I'm starting to get a bit bored with, with the world not changing at the moment. Every day just seems the same as the rest. And I was thinking even the weather hasn't changed. We've not had the rain that, you know, to make our normal Glaswegian days different.
0: For a minute, I was worried you were going to say you were bored of this podcast already.
1: No, of course not.
0: <laughs> okay, so we're, we've reached episode 10, uh, which is which is amazing. I don't know uh, how we've reached this point, but uh, which is fantastic. I'm really excited about uh, today's episode. So Katie, what are we going to focus on today?
1: Today, we are going to talk to two of our young adult carers and just get an idea of what life is like as a young adult carer and, and how the current situation with COVID-19 is is affecting them. Um and get to know them a bit.
0: That's excellent. And and I've got to say this: that we did invite Jan to come in and talk, but she chickened out. So, Jan, if you're listening.
1: And for those of you who don't know, Jan is our young adult <laughs> carer support worker. So she's she's the one who makes all the links for us and supports all the young adult carers.
0: But anyways, let's be that way. me moving on, um, we'd like to to welcome uh, marie Claire and uh, Chris uh to to the session so how you doing guys
2: hi yeah yeah not too bad um
0: surviving
1: surviving (laughs) yeah
0: I I guess we're all surviving just now so so Katie do you want to take away with some our first question
1: yeah we'll start off uh, you know just generally if you could tell us a bit about yourselves and and about your caring roles
2: so I'm a going into my third year at uni uh, at St Andrews and I live away from home half of the year and then I am back during Christmas time and summer time so I'm studying international relations and philosophy uh, but for the last few weeks, well last week I moved home so I am now studying in the house which has been a fun and interesting change from what I'm normally used to but um, yeah so normally I'm here half the year and Uh, And we care for our dad, um, uh, who has dementia, and with my mum in the house as well.
3: Um, Hi, I'm Christopher. Um, I'm an international relations and politics student at Strathclyde. But um, I don't live that far away from Glasgow, so I'm at home 24-7. Um, and 24-7, being at home has been extended even further during this <laughs> lockdown. So we find ourselves at home a lot of the time now, um, studying or not.
1: How have you found studying and, and being a carer at the same time? How's, how's that going?
3: Um, yeah, studying and being a carer can be um, quite a, a difficult a difficult um, thing to manage only because um uh, whenever um whenever you're studying this was mainly like before the virus university and um, not necessarily an escape but it was a chance to go meet people your own age um, and, and engage in stuff that you're really interested in and then whenever you came home it was just the, the normal the normal caring role but with with, uh, with the introduction of this virus into society you really um, you're really taking a social aspect out of your life and replacing it with an aspect that was already quite difficult. And on top of all of that, introducing an exam period where your tutorial meetings are over Zoom and uh, all of the websites are crashing, the whole combination can at times be overwhelming.
1: And and Mary Claire, you've you've obviously you were away from home, and now you've you've moved back home. How's that worked as a change? Uh,
2: yeah, it's been it's been quite a big change. Um, I think normally when I come home, obviously I still have caring duties. They don't disappear just you know when I'm away. But um, but normally it's an environment like Christmas holidays or summer holidays, so it's not quite the same stress around the house. So it's been a bit more tricky because I have six essays I need to do the next two weeks, which uh, under normal circumstances is quite stressful, but also it's maybe not the most ideal working conditions in the house or preferred, but it's okay. Um it's just a taking a wee while to adjust as well. I think it can it it's quite a big shift. And I think it's especially it makes you a lot more gracious for the times that you can just leave the house for a bit of a break. Um, because that is kind of taken away a bit when you, you know, obviously we have like walks and runs you can go on, but I think it, it can feel slightly like everyone is stepping on each other's toes and we're all very, very close <laughs> together all day, every day. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it's, it's been a bit of an adjustment period, but it's been lovely to see my family as well. So I think it's all swings to about.
0: And I think I'm interested to know, um, a lot of people perhaps listening to this podcast are are adult carers, and and I was wondering, just thinking about being a young adult carer and that kind of transition, is there any difference in being a young adult carer, or is it is it hard, or is it, is it is it what what what, and even the term carer, how is that for you?
2: Um, I think I don't know. I never really classified myself <laughs> as a carer until we really met Jan, because I kind of thought it was just. Like, it was just kind of what had to be done. It wasn't more a sense of, like, taking up this big kind of role. But obviously, like, when you when you talk to people and you kind of understand, actually, it's, there's quite a lot of people that are in a similar situation. But I think when you're younger, it can feel a little bit like the roles maybe are reversed because they've kind of went from, especially with us, it's went from my dad being someone that looked after me all my life to then suddenly a kind of position of me having to kind of do the checks and, like taking care of things that I would normally not do so I think it is a strange power dynamic change as well I think maybe which is a wee bit different when you're still young because you know like your mum and dad are kind of meant to not you know like as you get older you have less and less help but it does it is a strange shift um, I think.
3: Yeah um, I would definitely say for me when I was first referred to as a carer I felt a strong sense of imposter syndrome yeah uh, definitely because my um, image of of care was mainly from um, maybe like charity videos children in need all this sort of stuff so that's what I associated with people in carers was very, very much younger people than me 12 or 13 looking after parents who were in um, deprived circumstances and very 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 difficult like they were um, having trouble with schoolwork um, like circumstances that I, I found very little in common with mine although we were both called carers so it's really just getting around to coming like coming to terms with the fact that you're a carer but being a carer is what you make out of it. Like I do things with my dad that could be considered caring but we both still enjoy it because we're spending time together and we're having fun maybe not in as as equal a way as we used to but For Both of us, there's still something I can get out of it. So, for me, the term carer was as if it was all given, all all taken, no given in a sense. But for me, I think you realize that it's not just caring about them, it's spending time with them, and that's basically what what it's about for me when I think about the word carer.
0: Okay, and and just to follow that, what I know you mentioned Jan already and, and her making you aware of that. So, what's a kind of support have you found particularly useful?
2: Um, so Jan was really helpful with me, obviously, because I was away at university Um, it, I was doing some caring roles kind of that, you know, I you never as much as I'm not kind of directly like, in at the time, it was it was kind of making sure that support was in place when I came home as well. And also that I had the support of university because it it's tricky kind of to know who to talk to when for example might have to go home for two weeks just for the moment because something's happened or um and so talking to Jan was really helpful about figuring out kind of what type of along with my student services at my uni kind of how If I'm working from home, uh, for example, I had some online exams changed to like kind of coursework over a week. So it's more kind of flexible for caring responsibilities. So I think it's having a point of information because we were really in the dark because we did. First of all, we didn't really think that we were more than just kind of, you know, looking after our dad. But I think there obviously then there's suddenly this big network out there that's actually there to help you. And I think just having that connection. Is the thing that can start to just be a, learn more about the different things that are there in place already that I just wasn't aware of, like at uni, at school, you know. But so, so there was that type of thing for me that definitely helped.
3: Yeah, um, I think initially when um, I was going to get in contact with Care Link, I was very slightly apprehensive because I didn't know if this was going to be further commitments that I would have to give. Would I have to meet with this person regularly? Would I have to be involved in all the caring activities within my community? Was this something that was actually for me going to be more stress than help? Even when, even though it was meant to be an aid, I was thinking, "I'm doing fine. Do I want to? Do I want to rock the boat?" But um, I actually discovered that it it was great to really air out all these issues with someone that wasn't just my mum or my sister for somebody that was an outside perspective who had seen lots of families in situations different and similar to our own and really had a kind of overview on how best to manage your life. Whereas I thought I'm doing fine. I don't need help. This actually completely helped change my idea. Of what I thought Akira was, and I wasn't, and I wasn't so quick to shrink away from being called Akira after after getting involved with Karolink for sure.
0: And we've we've already sort of touched on the, the coronavirus and, and how things have changed, but and I'm just thinking how, how has it changed the, the kind of support you've been getting? Is it is it as good? Is it you know has, has there been any benefits of of some of the the, the, the lockdown? Um.
2: So we there's been um. Uh, an initiative set up it was uh, they were walking I think it was 5,000 steps a day or something uh, to I think it was like climbing Mount Everest and it was like young carers around Easton Martinshire were all sending in photos but uh, the walking itself uh, I think knowing that you have just having someone kind of like push you to actually do go outside to have a bit of time for yourself is maybe and that there's a community there that are going to like send photos in of different places they were walking it sounds like it's not going to be that kind of you know different to anything you would normally do but I actually did make you take time again time for yourself and, and know that there actually is a community of other young carers there and I think especially when you're just inside your house with your three other family members it's hard to kind of sometimes recognise that there is other things going on in the world and other people going through similar things as well so I think like Jan's been really supportive and I um in his shooting as well that kind of we we do have things in place and support in place if for example our mum can't maybe because if she can't if she's helping with my dad and no one we don't have we can't drive yet so like kind of shopping and things she's made sure that there's actually contact details we can get that there are lots of volunteers in the local community that are willing to help but I think like like what Chris said about the imposter syndrome it can be sometimes a bit of a step to actually go I do need that help because um, you're very fine by yourself and you don't need anyone else because other people have it worse and you don't want to like waste anyone's time but I think it is just slowly like especially during the the, the last few weeks when it has been more tough um, uh, the, it's, the support and the kind of communication has been a lot more regular which has actually been really really helpful
1: can I pop in there with, because uh, I work on the Opal Helpline, which is where what the, one of the ways you communicate with all these volunteers and that thing about, you know, I don't want other people to help. We hear that quite often. And, and I'd just like to take this opportunity to say to all the people out there, if you're struggling, there are volunteers out there who want to help you. That's they They are getting something back out of it themselves. They're not just giving. So please don't feel... Oh, I'm not it's, it's I'm not bad enough or whatever they will happily help you if you need help just a, a quick in, a bit in there to plug plug the opal helpline and, and the the shopping
0: yeah and I suppose as well we've got people listening here and hopefully some young adult cares as well listening and um, what advice would you give what what things would you recommend that they should be doing focusing on to help them get through this time specifically at the moment?
2: I think it's, it's tricky to when everything you're doing is within the kind of same four walls and with the same people it can be tricky to actually just give yourself some time by yourself and it can feel like because you're all in the same space and you don't necessarily have somewhere to go that you kind of shouldn't be having separate time because it's not maybe like the complete necessity but actually having that balance is what makes you a better carer because you're not going into tired you're not going into kind of doing activities and Things feeling because you because you you know like you need to keep your own spirits up as well or you're no help to anyone I think as well so for that for me that means like sometimes just going into my room closing the door watching some Netflix for a wee while just knowing that there's other people around the house or it's just going out for a walk by myself not always with my family you know making taking that little bit of time just to also do things that you enjoy talk to friends stay in communication with. The people that you would have maybe normally been seeing face to face I think is a huge deal because you're not just with three people there's not just three people in the world and I think we're so lucky to have such great social media and different ways of communication right now that um you know you can it's not the same but it's it's it really can expand and it because it can sometimes feel really claustrophobic I think as well and one of the key ways to do that is like one of the f- best ways I think for me is having a little a, a bit of structure but also just um, kind of ways that I can escape for a little while and then come back?
3: Yeah, um, I would just definitely start out by saying what what Martha said is completely correct. Caring for yourself is caring for them because basically if, if you're going to be in a bad mood or you're going to be inpatient or whatever, all of that's going to be natural because of this coronavirus. So if there's any tasks around the house that need doing, they're going to be a lot harder to do if you've not had the rest and recuperation you need to do them. And basically just remember to take care of yourself as well as other people because no matter what situation of care you're in, the person you're caring for loves you just as much as you love them. So they want you to remain healthy so and you want to remain healthy so that you can help them stay healthy, basically, is what I would say. One, one of the, um, I'm not sure of anyone's particular situations, but our dad has dementia. So one of the ideas we had was basically to try and, and find ways where everybody can interact in a kind of more low stress environment. So a lot of people who are in stuck with their families are playing board games. For us, that could be an incredibly stressful experience because that's a board game that he used to know how to play but he can now no longer play and that we can. So... Going through the rules, knowing whose turn it is, can turn into a massive stressful experience. It can turn what would usually be a happily family event into a nightmare. So, coming up with innovative ways, that Monopoly, for instance, whenever if we are going to play Monopoly, there's a mum and dad team, and there's a me team, and there's a Mary Claire team. So, it's not to make him feel smaller and valued. It's to include him in the experience, in the way that he can be included, and everyone still has a good time. and And I think that's the same for any carer, Just find what works for you. Stick with it. Yeah.
2: I think as well like it's going to be more difficult and you need to kind of give yourself the acceptance that right now is really tough for lots of people despite even people that are just you know in their normal lives no one is finding this easy and I think when you have a caring role it's obviously not made any easier so I think you do need to be slightly kind on yourself or you're going to just get so frustrated I think it does take a bit of like listen these are kind of rubbish circumstances they're not going to be for long but they could be quite bad for a kind of the foreseeable future so you need to try and kind of find a way that works right now even though it might not be that case for a
1: long time i think that, that's that's all really useful stuff and it's, it's interesting we the the podcast our last episode was a was about gaming and uh, monopoly was mentioned in that one as well so there's <laughs> a common theme there <laughs> um but I'm, I'm thinking. I mean, obviously, we're 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 where we are now, and we've got we've got this pandemic to deal with, and we don't know how that's going to pan out over the next few months, year, whatever. But can you take a, a longer look, and do you have any vision of of maybe how your caring roles are going to change as as you as you go through life? Yeah,
2: that's a big question. Yeah, um, I think uh, it's. I mean, it's so. I think with with. A disease like dementia as well it's quite tricky to kind of track how long certain things are going to be the necessity from us and how long certain types of care are what's best Um it's obviously hard to predict how long our dad is going to be in this place that he is now and um, which does make kind of longer term planning slightly harder because it's all very kind of uneasy but i think definitely it, it is things like kind of still trying to keep going with life as well because I think it's it, for me when I like I got my offer to university and, and there was a long time when I just wasn't going to take it because I was wasn't sure if I should maybe stay at home and then maybe do that later or try and do something else and kind of work it but I think it, it is very easy just to be like right well if we just keep doing this right now and then we can do something else later. But then you do get into that spiral of what this, what if that's the next ten years? And then you know. So I think it, it it's it's hard to predict what's gonna like how our caring roles are gonna change or be different. I think what's different is me and Chris do have quite different caring roles as well, and obviously we have different um, experiences. Uh, but um, just with location and stuff as well. But uh, I think it it's just something that. I think we're always going to need, be needed but it just the way that we're needed is going to change and that can be tricky because sometimes it, it, it is accepting that things are also changing within our dad who we love and obviously is deteriorating to some extent uh, but sometimes that's just it is a bit of kind of a trying to take it as it comes type of situation but
3: yeah, um, I would definitely uh, agree with everything Mark I said there. Um, another thing I would just um, remember is that obviously um, our dad is slightly impaired now with his, his reasoning and other things. But if I could think back to a time before this disease, what would he have said to me then? And he would have said, for what are you doing? Go out, live your life, go to university, do everything you've ever wanted to do. If he, in, in his previous mental state, thought for a moment, I was putting any of my life on hold because of what happened to him. That would make him sadder than him getting a disease. That would honestly have been worse for him, most likely. So, I and and, and without a doubt. So, what you're always going to feel like you can do more, but eventually, there's going to come a point where you're going to say, "I'm saying I can do more, and I could care more and do best." It's actually just you using that as a way to put other parts of your life on hold because it's too hard for you to move on with him because of the condition of him, which is then not a him thing, it's a you thing. And, and it's just really easy to slip into the, oh, well, I couldn't I couldn't really do that because I'm a carer or I couldn't do this because I'm a carer. Whereas really you should be thinking, I am, I am a carer, so what could I bring to that role because of what this experience has given me as a person?
0: It's interesting, it sounds to me that you've you've gone through quite a process, uh, and you know you've gone round and you're thinking about acceptance, and you've talked me you mentioned that earlier. And I want to ask a question. Bearing in mind all the things you've been through and your experiences, has that been useful for your future? Do you think is, is it are those skills transferable? Is you know what, what I'm getting at? Do you feel that having gone through that has prepared you better for life, perhaps?
2: Yeah no i definitely say I think it takes a certain you know I, obviously I'd always try to be empathetic but I think it it does take a level of actually removing yourselves from situation and what your kind of thoughts are and it takes patience and especially with a disease like dementia and things like just making sure someone's happy and you know letting go of certain things like but that's not the right piece of information or that's not the correct thing you know I want to make sure he knows the right thing and it's kind of letting go of things that you would normally feel quite vital to kind of how you live your life normally and I think that change coping with change is really tough and I think especially with a disease that's kind of a constant state of change um it it must be transferable in some way I mean I think as a family it's made us more stronger just in the sense of kind of what we can cope with but I think as well it does make you kind of be able to see that there can be really nice elements despite the kind of madness that's going on around you and I think that kind of a that ability to find the kind of like light in the dark type of sense will also be something that will be helpful throughout the rest of my life not to mention just kind of being more aware of people that are needing care and how I should approach that and then because I know for a fact there'll be lots of other people that I will meet in my life that will have a similar condition to my dad and after being a carer I will approach them in a different way if I hadn't you know like because some things you just I feel like you, you you learn through experience that I wouldn't have known otherwise.
3: Yeah definitely um I think you just uh it does make you grow up a lot faster, I would say without a doubt. I mean, at, at twenty two, I'm in mean, some of my final years in university. Arguably, I should have been grown up already, but um, I would definitely say that the the responsibilities that come with caring for somebody that is cared for you for so long, they're they're not on only overwhelming in the sense of time and effort, but they're overwhelming in the sense of that somebody who I I used that used to care for me. I am now caring for, and not any 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 plans soon. But you realise whenever, like you have kids or whatever, what it would be like for them if that was happening to you, and and, and a lot of things you think about that you would just never have cast your mind that far down the line for are now in the forefront of your head. Does this have a genetic component? Is this something I should be looking into? Is it like uh, um many 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 different many different things? Um, but really, how I would predict your career role can change is I have, I'm I'm thinking of applying to the diplomatic service, so that would obviously involve me being overseas and and a lot of things like that. But if I really drilled down to and think, would my dad have preferred me not to pursue the things I wanted to do for his sake? It would never. It would never have been an answer like that. So although it can be very difficult for me to separate myself and say I'm not going to be able to do that, that is that's just something you're going to have to come to terms with, so. Yeah,
2: yeah I think it's definitely, I think, because the age, like, I'm, I've just turned 20, um, I guess we said it's 22, uh, it's quite a tricky, interesting point in our lives, and everything's very kind of changing. Like, I moved out, and I, you know, I had to pay bills for the first time properly this year, and I had to, like, read gas meters and things, and it's, and it, there are things that you kind of wouldn't normally experience at home already but I think there's definitely that aspect of growing up in the sense of that it's very hard to put your life on hold when your life hasn't quite started yet um and I think it's quite I think maybe that's can be a little bit different between like younger carers who are still going to go through maybe the education system and something and 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 older carers are kind of already in a stable-ish position um because right now I have no idea what I'm gonna do, and then I have no pl- like I have no solid plans in the next, apart from hopefully finish uni. That would be quite nice, but um, I've got no kind of big life plans at the moment, which means it it can make it quite tricky to to not just make my future plans what's needed as a carer, but also what trying to accommodate being a carer to the plans that I also have, even though I don't know them yet. So I think it's it's definitely a a Strange balance with like age and stuff and stage.
3: Yeah, a- absolutely. It's just being able to embrace being the role of a carer without letting it control or define the rest of your life is really the best you can do.
1: And I think that's an excellent point to finish on, John, isn't it? For for Akiras of all ages. Well, well done, Christopher.
0: Yeah, th- uh, thank you very much, Christopher and, and Mari, for for joining us via Zoom. Uh, and uh, it's just, I think it's really powerful what you've been saying, and and I really hope those are listening to it will will take. A lot of that to heart um i just think before we go i'd like to finish on a light note what have you what favorite things have you been watching on netflix <laughs> <laughs> um i
2: so I, I at lockdown i started vampire diaries which is something <laughs> i must say i was never i never expected myself to be so involved in and now here i am Season seven uh, with twenty four episodes per season. It's taken me on a journey. I didn't quite expect it. I didn't see it coming. But you know, it was very interesting. We also I watched a bit of Tiger King. That was quite interesting. Um, we're we're slowly making through our big list of things because we have lots of time on our hands.
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I've been a a fan of. Um, sorry i've managed to speak for two hours here almost <laughs> no, not, not so but um, now, now i can't answer we've, we've been watching um, a lot of maryland that's, maryland that's been yeah on,
2: that's dad's and, favorite uh, brooklyn 99 yeah. on netflix for yeah. anybody that
3: likes to laugh yeah, it's, yeah some it's finding one.
2: funny things are nice <laughs> funny things are <laughs> yeah. good yes excellent
0: well that's that's fantastic so thank you again for for joining us and uh uh katie do you want to do you want to lead us out and and uh seeing how we can people can contact us or maybe can contact support uh, for other young adult carers?
1: Yep, I can give the, the normal contact data. So, you know, carers Link is still here and we are still supporting all our carers. Uh, we just can't meet them face-to-face at the moment. So if you want to get in touch, the telephone number is 0800 975 2131 or you can email us at inquiry at carerslink.org.uk um, and you can also go onto the website and, and there's information on there if you want to look there's the the photos of the the walk that's that, that Mary claire and, and Christopher were talking about they're on Facebook so if you want to go and look on our Facebook pages and I may having just had this conversation I may now go and put them up on the website as well so people can see them there too if they want to
0: and again if you have any suggestions or you'd like to come and and talk about something that's close to your heart then then please get in touch and all the information will be in the the show notes so that's it uh, for episode 10 and uh, we look forward to to hearing from you and uh, and for you to join us uh, next week and uh, just as we've been saying at the end of each program stay home stay safe and look after yourself goodbye bye bye